The following podcast contains adult materials such as swearing and mathematics. We'll let you decide which is scarier. Moreover, we of course know everything about the presented mathematics. But if you think we've made a mistake, think of it as an application of Cunningham's Law. The best way to get the right answer on the internet is to post the wrong one. That's our excuse, and we're sticking with it. Hello, hello, and welcome. We are Maths at the Movies, and simply put, we're two geeks and a girl trying to critique movies from a mathematical point of view. I'm your co-host, Thomas Woolley, and joining me now and forevermore are my co-host, the enigmatic Liz, and the industrious Ben Parker. How are you guys doing? I'm great. Very well, thank you. So, two geeks and a girl. Are we saying that uh, girls can't be geeks now? I think also, uh, woman... Please, not, not a girl. I, mean, I was going I for, the for, for, here, for the alliteration here. All right, okay. Two, two, how about two wimps and a woman? Okay, okay. Speak for yourself. I, so we're, 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 two, we're two people slightly more qualified in mathematics and somebody else. <laughs> it doesn't and, have a very good And someone it, we it? picked up on the street. <laughs> oh, but she's lovely. But anyway, thank you for coming back this week. Um, so last week we watched the film 21. Uh, a mixed fee- mixed bag of feelings on that film, I think. Um, some of us enjoyed it, some of us didn't. But then this week we watched the film Proof. Um, a very much a different animal. Uh, what, what do you guys think about Proof? I think that was 90 minutes of my life I would never <laughs> Um Unfortunately, I've got to agree. Okay, I, I kind of loved it. What, Liz? Yeah, That's, I, how can you love? How can anyone love that bag of turds? <laughs> Sometimes a girl loves to get bag of turd. I mean, you know. Well, we know you. You know what you're getting yeah, for Christmas, don't it. you? <laughs> yeah, if, I, if I'm very bad. Two ginormous um, bags of turds. Yeah, di- didn't I actually tried really hard to hate it because I was I was a bit sort of irritated by it all within the first kind of five minutes, and then by the end I was like. Mm, don't hate this. Okay, okay. So we'll go on to that in, in, a, in a few seconds. But the, the main themes of the film are, uh, one, uh, when has a mathematician done his best work, you know, um, or, or he or she? Uh, this idea of that, you know, as you get older, you get uh, less um, brilliant. Uh, the other thing is is a woman's place in mathematics, uh, which is a very interesting uh, theme because uh, this week we unfortunately lost the brilliant mathematician, uh, Maya Mazzucani. She was the first woman to win the Fields Medal. So, Liz, uh, do, you know what, do you know about the Fields Medal at all? Well, I I've, I've saw a lot of headlines calling it the Nobel Prize of uh, mathematics. Pretty much, pretty much, yeah. So, you, you know the background to this, why, why there's no uh, Nobel Prize for mathematics? Uh, I know uh, the fake story, so you go ahead. Okay. Well, the, no, I mean, no, so the, I, I only know the, what is presumably the fake story as well. So, the fake story is that Nobel had a wife, and his wife was bonking a mathematician. So, as revenge, he decided that there shouldn't be a Nobel Prize for mathematics. He was going to give it for all the other lame stuff like economics <laughs> and literature and physics and world peace and stuff. Now, uh, now, now, that's a good story. I do like that story. There's only one small itsy bitsy teeny weeny problem with it. And it's not that, true. Well, no, the problem is he was never married. Oh, so, the, so it's almost certainly not true. It's almost certainly not true. So, but the the real reason why Nobel uh, didn't give a prize for mathematics was he he felt that uh, mathematics. So back then, when mathematics or the Nobel Prize was being given out, mathematics was very pure, and he felt you had to construct something to win the Nobel Prize. You had to work towards peace. You had to work towards economics, uh, uh, something build in economics. So any mathematics Nobel Prizes there are, are in physics or biology or chemistry, all those theoretical sciences where you put the experimental piece on top. But you're, you're quite right, um, Liz. The, the idea of the Fields Medal was to make it the Nobel Prize of mathematics. But, but the difference is, you, Nobel Prize you can win at any time. The Fields Medal are only given out every four years, and you can only win them whilst you're less than 40. <laughs> <laughs> I've still got a good couple of years left in me, I think. Oh. So you think you're on for the medal? <laughs> I, 
I, in, I, maybe I'll get a Nobel Prize in biology. I, I'll aim for that. So it's, <laughs> it's kind easy. of like the Olympics of maths. Oh my God, what an idea, maths Olympics. Can you imagine the 100 metres calculus? Just... <laughs> you could have the deck mathlon. Yes, de- deck mathlon. Very oh, nice. Very, very nice. good. Very nice. That's very, very good. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I've, I've been quiet because I've been trying to think <laughs> of the Olympics mathlon. That was Olympic proportions. That really was. <laughs> and you get the gold ratio um, medal. Oh, yeah. Hey. Terrible. Root 5 plus 1 over 2 of the dimension. <laughs> okay, that's too nerdy. Let's move on. Um, but so, but there is this thing built into mathematics that you are, you, as you age, you get worse. It's, it's fundamentally there in our prizes. So it, it's interesting to see that um, proof took this out, you know. Oh, yes, we were talking about the movie, weren't we? We were at one point. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I think we were talking about Mariam Nizam. Yes. Ah, yes. Okay, well, I guess we're, we're going we're gonna to salute her then. I am standing saluting her right now. I think what we have to say is that she was, she was an incredible mathematician. There's no doubt about that. And just the fact that she had two X chromosomes seems to make it more impressive because she was the first one to have these two X chromosomes. For me, mathematics is all about meritocracy. If you're good enough, I don't care who you are, where you're from, or what what you do. Show me the maths. That's For me, it's all about prove your worth. And here is a person who did, and she was obviously brilliant. So it was a great loss to mathematics. Whether she was male, female, or tree, I don't care. I just want the world to know that we lost a great mathematician. Yeah. Shall we get on to what the film was about then? Oh, I think we'd better. I mean, <laughs> that's what we're here to talk I about, I mean, that's isn't it? sort of the point. Okay. <laughs> we start from the viewpoint of Catherine. Uh, Catherine, who's played by Gwyneth Paltrow. And Catherine is a mathematician in her own right, but she's had to give up her dreams of a career in mathematics to look after her elderly father, Robert, who recently died um, and... Robert was one of these geniuses. The, uh, I, does it, does it, is it mentioned that he's a Fields medalist? I don't think no. something like that. I don't think it's mentioned, no. But it, it, it is mentioned many, many times that Robert, played by Anthony Hopkins, was a genius. He revel- By the time he was 20, again, this idea of time coming in, the fact that you know, time is running out for all mathematicians, by the time he was 20, he had revolutionised the fields of game theory, uh, non-linear operators, and... Uh, Algebraic geometry. Algebraic geometry, yes. So uh, Robert was this genius, but as I say, unfortunately, towards the end of his life, he had mental health issues and Catherine, his daughter, had to give up her dreams to look after him. And the whole film is essentially the fallout of his death and funeral and what happens afterwards. Now, because he recently died, Jake Gyllenhaal, who plays Hal, one of uh, Robert's students, is rooting around in his papers looking for anything that's publishable anything that's still genius because it's repeated that during his uh decline he still had one good year and so jake gyllenhaal how he's st- he's looking for that proof he's looking that hidden nugget the hidden gem which will win him the fields medal or whatever well he, I, mm, he does say it's not for him it's for no. the, the community but yeah 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 i didn't believe him yeah yeah it's, it's not good so throughout the film Jake and Catherine get closer together, although they start off as adversaries, they get closer together. And I've got to ask you guys, during the scene when they do actually end up sleeping together, did anyone else feel that Jake was a bit predatory? (laughs) A bit predatory? I I had such problems with this scene. I I just, I assumed that that scene would end with him being like, okay, do you know what? I've realised that you're not comfortable. Let's So let's just explain. This is the night of... Her only father's funeral. Her only father's funeral. How many fathers uh, do you have, like, then? You... Well, uh, you know... Uh, kind of two. Uh, yeah, I got a well with a milkman, or my mother did. Um, <laughs> on the night of her only father's funeral, he's like, uh, hey, you're feeling sad. I know what would make you feel a lot better. <laughs> I've always quite This won't be at all confusing. It really oh, was creepy. Yeah, creepy, creepy, creepy. And it was it was it was kind of emotionally creepy and also physically yeah, creepy. Yeah. So like he it was she was obviously vulnerable and he kind of pushes on. But also like his body language, like he's really like she's kind of 
the whole way through, so like slightly pulling back, and he's like, yeah, really yeah. kind of leaning over her. I found it really uncomfortable. I, I, I completely agree, and I've got to say, moving on, moving on. So, although Catherine and Hal they start as adversaries, they get together, and then the next morning, Catherine gives Hal a key. Now, this key opens up a drawer in her father's desk, and Hal finds a notebook. So whilst that's all going on, Catherine's sister Claire has also come to see Catherine uh, to uh, support her uh, and her father's funeral. But Claire and Catherine are chalk and cheese. And I've got to say, this is where the movie really grates for me. Whenever, whenever there's a scene between Claire and Catherine, they just are, end up arguing. Uh, and I didn't like it. It really just ugh, it wasn't fun. I just didn't feel she could really act. I mean, Catherine obviously can do. I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow, you know, one of our, our, our very greatest act- actors. Uh, but, uh, oh, uh, who's this other girl? Hope Davis. Hope Davis. Hope, name was Hope Davis. Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I don't think the problem was her acting. I thought she got dealt quite a raw deal. I thought, it, I thought her character was the most difficult because they they really needed her to be... A bit of a cow. Yeah, yeah. And I, I actually had a lot more sympathy with her than than I, 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 I thought it was quite an unsympathetic portrayal. Well, uh, no, no. Of a woman in a difficult situation. Her point was she just didn't understand mathematicians. Okay, and you know, do, do, do you do you get this, Tom? When you're like, uh, oh, I need to go away and you know do some mathematics, and your wife's like, oh, but we have to go to tea with your mother or whatever. Okay, and all. <laughs> you want to do is get on with a little piece of mathematics that has been bothering you for ages and your wife is like no no we must do this now and she just doesn't understand okay so one point oh my god one point one point <laughs> lorraine i love you and if you're listening to this i love you um the second point though i kind of understand what ben's saying because you do need that that insulated time away Absolutely. from everyone else you, and you, you know how I, you know how i deal with it how do you do it well, I tell my wife I'm with my mistress. I tell, I tell my mistress I'm with my wife. And then I can get on with my research. Oh, dear. OK, moving on. So where were we? Right. But uh, let's get back to this point, though. They're chalk and cheese. So Catherine Gwynne-Paltrow, her character is the bookish, insular, introverted mathematician. Claire is the career woman. She has a family. She's uh, a fashionista. OK, because I loved her pink coat. So much. I've got to say, I didn't notice. I was like, that was like the best thing about the film. Honestly, it was a good coat. I nearly, I knew, and I was like, I wonder if there's like on IMDb, it says where they got the coat because I want that coat. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Time and time again, we do keep coming back to this point of does Gwyneth Paltrow also have mental health, mental health issues like her father? But it is said pretty early on in the film that it wasn't genetic. It, it it's not passed down. Um, but it is open to question whether that occurs. Firstly, like, Jake Chillenhall just seems to have kind of, you know, taken psychiatry overnight where he's like, there's nothing wrong with you. And it's like, well, actually, probably, like, the, the sort of two sets of people who know what's wrong with Gwyneth Paltrow are A, Gwyneth Paltrow, and B, medical professionals. <laughs> I don't think kind of being like, it's okay, I've met you for 10 minutes, and I know that your mental health is I mean, perfect. Yeah, is that helpful um... to someone... Who may have mental health And the way the film portrays it as well. I mean, we start off with a scene where she seems to be hallucinating her father, even though he's dead. So the film really does kind of push you into that vein of she she does need help. But my my other issue is, what did he have? I kind of, I slightly resent, so my dad has schizophrenia. um, And at the beginning of the film, I was like, ah, this man has schizophrenia. And maybe she has schizophrenia. You know, she's having um, hallucinations. But then... It didn't seem... It, by the end, I thought perhaps he was bipolar, perhaps. And at the same time, I sort of think, are we really just going to say, oh, they were crazy? Are we, are we not going to give it a name? Are we not going to treat it like a medical condition? It's just like, oh, no, they were they were bonkers. <laughs> well, actually, they do that with the maths as well. At some point... I'll, I'll get, let me get to this point, because this is also interesting for <laughs> okay. the maths. So Jake finds... Uh, Claire and Catherine are downstairs having an argument as as they do throughout the film. And Jake comes down having found this notebook and they say, well, what's in the notebook? And he goes, it's a proof. It's a proof. It's a theorem. It's a proof to a theorem, a theorem of a proof, a proof, theorem, theorem, proof, proof. proof. <laughs> of what? Well, it's a proof. <laughs> are we not going to give it a name? No. Okay. Fine. And they do hint at certain parts of the movie about what the proof could be. But they, as you say, they never give it a name. So... We will, we will never know. We'll, we might talk about it a bit later of what it could be. So um, 
The twist is, of course, that Catherine says it's her notebook. She did the proof. Da, da, da. And we find out that Hal and Claire both don't believe Catherine. They know she was a mathematician, but they don't believe she was good enough to have proven this theorem. So Jake takes the book to the university to have it checked and they go through it line by line to see what mathematics is used. And during all of this, Claire convinces Catherine to go back to New York with her. By She does this by selling their home. So I think that's kind of a, not a fun move. That in fact, you're selling the home that your sister's living in, but whatever. Uh, Jake, oh, so, uh, Catherine is convinced to go back to New York with Claire. So they start to head off to the airport. At that moment, Jake comes back. They've, they've gone over the proof and he now believes that Catherine did do it because the mathematics used in the proof, the theorem of the proof of the theorem of the proof of the proof of the theorem is too modern. Robert would not have known about this mathematics. So he is now convinced Catherine is the person who wrote the proof. But that doesn't stop Catherine. Catherine and Claire drive off to the airport and they're in the airport and Catherine starts reminiscing, lots of flashbacks. And she realises, I think, this is what I took from it. She realises that, why is she going? She's got these few good years left. And even if she does have mental health problems, she's going to use it to her her mind to its full advantage. She leaves the airport, goes back to the university, fights Jake, finds Jake Gyllenhaal, and the movie ends with them sitting down and reading through the proof together. How romantic. Well, I mean, I have some serious issues with this uh, movie. Okay, I mean, let's let's say some good things first of all. Okay. Okay. It's nice to see a high quality female mathematician. Okay. It, it's nice to see that, and especially well, it's when it's interesting. Uh, it's just interesting to have a story about a female mathematician. I mean, they're few and far between. Absolutely. Uh, it's nice to get a movie about uh, mental health problems, whatever they are, even though we're not able to put a finger on it. But all in all, <laughs> well, yes, I watched this movie because I wanted to see some decent mathematics. And there was none. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and to me, it was based on a play. And I can, I can imagine the play. I can imagine. I, I, you, you really get, can you see get... the play behind it, can't you? Uh, when, when I first started watching it, about 20 minutes in, I was like, was this a play? And yeah. I looked it up. Yeah, and I was totally yeah. unsurprised because it was such a play. I kind of expected someone to be like, oh, Godo, <laughs> at some point. Like, someone comes and changes the scene at some point. You could see three <laughs> yeah. or four college-aged uh, mathematicians doing it, and one of them would have drawn the short straw and have to wear a ridiculous wig and some talcum powder to play Banquo's ghost or Sir Anthony Hopkins <laughs> or whatever he was. <laughs> so you come back from the grave and say, Hey, I'm a doddery old mathematician. <laughs> I like how you have to put on that accent. You don't. You can't just say you're a doddery old mathematician. Um, but it's got some terrible lines. Okay, the first line that struck me about this movie was, uh, "My advice when you can't sleep at night is to sit down and do some mathematics." What? I mean, have a cup of cocoa, or you know, a glass of milk, <laughs> or you know. But... Also, I suspect that that was his advice on everything. It's like, you know what? If like you know, can't get it up. How about sitting down and doing some mathematics? <laughs> Need some good recipes? How about sitting down and doing some mathematics? Having problems in your marriage? How about sitting down and doing some mathematics? Question for you, Liz. Do you think right. that these... Uh, do, do you think that the depiction of the people here is typical of mathematicians? Of the... In the film? Yes. Um, well, the thing is, I know quite a lot of math- mathematicians. And... They're not a particularly homogenous group. True, right, true. So I, I wouldn't necessarily say that, that that it's an accurate depiction of, of the group. Catherine was the stereotype mathematician. And I do want to point out that I do know a few mathematicians like that. On the flip side, do I know people like that in other subjects? Not as many. Okay. But the point is that every mathematics movie has this class A maths geek in it, okay? We saw it in the last film, we saw it in the film before, except where occasionally you have to have a hottie or two just to justify the plot. I mean, that said, Anthony Hopkins must have married some absolute supermodel because his children are beautiful. The the mother is never mentioned, is it? 
yeah, I mean, maybe they were born by immaculate conception. He, he, <laughs> he, re- he revolutionised the fields of mathematics, biology, chemistry, <laughs> uh, and prenatal science. He was fantastic. Okay, and on that point, shall we head to the math zone? Yeah, let's Yay! let's talk about some maths. Right, so I've got some math questions about the film. Lovely, lovely. Uh, question one: What is a proof. A proof. Oh, that's a good question. What is it, really, though? Because oh, they were like, a proof! And I was like, eh. Okay, so at its very basic form, it's just a logical yeah. set of arguments that take you from your proposition, where you say, I, I, if I assume this, logical argument, logical argument, logical argument, I deduce this. But it's actually a bigger question, because what, what you're, all a proof is, essentially, is a convincing argument. And there have been many times throughout history when proofs have actually been wrong for centuries because that convincing argument, no one ever questioned. I mean, this this concept of what a proof is, is, is like to me, is, is really interesting. Of course, it's yeah. central to the movie. But perhaps a better philosophical point is, are these things real or are they something we invent? OK, Ooh. so are there things about the universe which are always true mm-hmm. or is mathematics a, a construction that we use to talk about the universe? So uh, what, what do you think, Liz? What's your, what's your view? Well, I suppose I think about physics, and that's surely where math starts to meet things we observe. OK. But for example, I could imagine a universe where gravity pushes things away. Yes. And I could come yeah. up with a fairly, I could come up with a consistent series of mathematical rules such that a universe like that could make sense. And I could prove things about that universe. So I, this this notion of whether proofs are, exist or are things that can be discovered are really very interesting to me. Uh, so as a, a great mathematician active in the 50s, um, uh, a Hungarian mathematician called Erdish. Erdish, uh, yes. Uh, and he did a lot of work in number theory and all kinds of things, graph theory, all kinds of fields. Um, and he was prolific. He is the most prolific mathematician, certainly, of the 20th century. Because he was so prolific, he co-authored with a lot of people around the world. I don't believe he actually had a home. He would just travel around the earth discussing maths with people and publishing. And because of this, there is a thing now known as the Erdős number, which is how far you are away from publishing with Erdős. Erdős is now dead. <laughs> So an Erdős number one is someone who's published with Erdős. It's like a Kevin Bacon number. That's uh, So, you know, have you been in a movie with Kevin Bacon? Exactly. Yes, your Kevin Bacon number is one. Uh, ah. uh, so, and, so Ben, uh, Ben, 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 Ben. What's your Erdős number? Oh, I think it's four. I think I have the possibility of a three, but I think at the moment it's four. Okay, okay. I, I think I'm around three or four as well. So this it, it's a thing that doesn't matter to anyone except mathematicians. But I, this is irrelevant, okay? The point I wanted to make about Erdish was that he would come and prove things for you. So yes. he'd come and knock on your door and he'd say, my brain is open. And he'd work on whatever problem you were working on. And um, yeah, he'd, cut, he'd come in, he'd solve your problems. Um, and if he saw a particularly elegant proof, he'd say, ah... This proof is from the book. From the book, yes. So he believed that uh, God, who he called, I think, the Great Sadist, the GS, something like that. Anyway. <laughs> I, I don't know that. Okay. He called it the Great Sadist, um, and he believed that God had all the answers, but he was keeping it from his people. And if he saw, <laughs> if he, if he saw a particularly elegant proof, he would say, aha, this proof is from the book. But also, also, didn't Erdős take ketamine to keep himself awake working on proofs? Yeah. And this is actually mentioned in this uh, in this movie, in this movie Proof. Um, and he says that uh, at some point they talk about going to mass conferences and they say that they used to go to conferences which were 48 hours of conferences, including amphetamines. Yeah. Like, yeah. have you ever been to a conference like that? No. God, no. <laughs> Liz, have you ever been to a conference like that? Well, I mean, they called it a club, not a conference. <laughs> There was lots of beating music, yeah. Yeah, everyone was counting. It was kind of maxi. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so there's this idea that proofs are either things which exist and are there to be discovered, or these things that are like fundamental to the universe. Could I, could okay? I throw another monkey wrench in here? Because, <laughs> throw sorry. it, throw it. At I, me, will throw, I will throw. Because there was this thing called the four color theorem, and what the four, four color the four color theorem is actually really easy to state. It says if you have a map. What is the minimum number of colours you need to colour in your map such that no two adjacent countries sh- that share a border 
are the same colour. And for a long time it was thought to be a four, but no one could prove it. Then Apple and Harkin used a computer to check, I think it was like 15,000 different cases by computer and showed that it was four. The, the computer proved that four was the minimum. This caused outrage in the mathematical compute, uh, community because people were saying, well, you, you haven't learned anything. You've got no insight into the problem. You, you're trusting a computer. But surely a computer, if you code it correctly, can check all... I mean, a human could check 15,000 cases. It would take them a long time, but they could do it. A computer, yeah. if you code it correctly, could check them better than a human. So why is it not... It, it, it is counted as a proof now, but it did just open no, 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 up... Right. Oh, okay. I'm lost. Okay. I'm lost. Okay. Right, stop. Firstly, was one of the colours an amazing pink, which they meant then turned into a colour? The colours, oh the colours were... <laughs> The, the colours were aquamarine, mauve, uh -huh. beautiful pink, and violent yellow. <laughs> okay, good. That's not my question. My question is, is that really a proof? Isn't that just kind of doing, doing it lots of times and sort of exhausting well, but, the no, no, but the proof can be proved by exhaustion, where you just check all the cases. You say, this is true because it's true in this case, this case, and this case. Normally, there are a small number of cases, so humans can check them all. Okay. It's just in this case, you had to get a computer to check thousands upon thousands and that was proof by exhaustion that was proof by exhaustion yeah. but the fact the computer had to do it not a human that was ooh dodgy that's how i prove what a great lover i am <laughs> <laughs> marvelous marvelous oh, marvelous proof by exhaustion is a thing but the computer didn't so and is that what the computer did yeah so the, the computer wasn't doing anything clever it wasn't it wasn't. It didn't have inspiration. The they coded it up to just go through these thousands upon thousands of cases and just do what a human would do. Coloring in. Yes. yes. Essentially, yes. Essentially, coloring. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Coloring okay. in all um, possible maps. Okay. Shall I move on to my next question? Well, did Ben have something? I thought Ben had something. Oh, sorry. Ben. Somebody at some point in the movie said mathematics isn't jazz. Even the craziest mathematician is working towards a proof. That's interesting. I'm not sure I agree. I, I, if you're not working towards a proof, what are you working towards? Well, mathematics can be jazz. It can be beautiful. It can be from Erdős's book. It can be something you write down, and it's just beautiful. It just works. Or it can be you. You know, you crank the handle and you get a computer to colour in all four colours and all possible maps. Um, and both of these are mathematics. Okay, yeah. you know, it's music is music. Jazz is yeah. a type of music. You know, heavy metal is a type of music. But so, so Liz, you you had a question though. You, you were saying something there. Germain primes. What is Jermaine. a Germain prime? Right, good question, good question. I want to actually talk about Sophie Germain outside of this because I knew her in a different context. Um, so a Germain prime is very simple. Was it in the 17th century? Yes, she was a good friend of mine. Um, no. I see. <laughs> yeah, so a Germain prime. P is prime and 2P plus 1 is prime. That's, that's all it is. So 2 is a Germain prime because 2 times 2 plus 1 is 5 and that's also prime. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. And 11 is prime, 23 is prime. So was, was Sophie Germain a well-known mathematician? Because I'd never heard of her before this movie. Uh, I knew of her because of her work in solid mechanics. Um, she wasn't a well-known uh, mathematician because guess what? She had the XX chromosomes and therefore uh, not allowed to go to school. Stupid. But, I mean, it, it really was. But, no, but, but the best thing was she actually got talking to Carl Friedrich Gauss. And so Lid, I don't know if you know who that is. No. So Carl Gauss is probably the best mathematician there's ever been. Hang on. Wasn't, wasn't, wasn't Erdős the best mathematician? No, no, he's the most he prolific. The most no, he was the best mathematician of the 20th century. Erdős was, he was, he was brilliant. Erdős was brilliant and prolific. But Gauss changed mathematics and optics, physics. He did everything and was brilliant at it. And Interesting claim. So you, you might call him... I don't know, the famous gals, for instance. <laughs> oh, God, were you making a pun about whiskey there? Yeah, I was! <laughs> That's horrible! It wasn't, it wasn't my strongest. I, I should have said if they'd need a drink after him, it would have been a famous <laughs> gals. That would have been a better pun. <laughs> but anyway, yes. I, I think I'm doing all the heavy lifting on the puns. That's fine, oh, that's okay. fine. One of us has to. I, I've got a good one coming. Okay. <laughs> So, so Sophie Germain was talking to Carl Gauss and other brilliant mathematicians. She spoke to Cauchy at one point and Poisson. So some of the big names who had the same idea of me as I don't care who you are as long as you can do maths 
talk to me. So she was a big, big name at the time. Why is everyone in mathematics really obsessed with prime numbers? Okay. I just okay. all you ever hear is like, oh, prime numbers. Prime they, numbers prime they're numbers. one of the most intriguing sets of numbers. They're so easy to define, but they have some very elusive properties. We don't fully understand them. And again, you might question, well, why do we care about even understanding them if they're just a set of numbers? Well, yes, you're, you would be correct, but the, the kicker, the key, the key thing now is that they're very much heavily used in cryptography. Ah. So, getting, uh, so understanding primes helps us understand how to make our banks and credit cards safer. Yeah, so do you have a credit card, Liz? I do. Do you ever spend on it? Well, I'm gonna if I ever find that pink coat. <laughs> when you send your numbers for your pink coat off to the bank and you exchange the numbers securely... That's all sort of done using prime mm. numbers. Okay, so, uh, and, and the point is that if you have a very large prime number, or you have a very, if you have a very large number and you want to break it up into primes, so let's take six, for example, okay? I can express that as two times three. Two and three are primes, so they multiply together to make six, okay? Okay. But in general, the only way I can find out the numbers that multiply together to give a particular number uh is to try all possible combinations mm. of it uh oh oh, oh that, that's that's right ben i mean uh, the other big thing about primes is they're the sort of fingerprint of a number the way you break it down into prime numbers is completely unique so you know like how the chemists have the periodic table mm -hmm. where you can break everything down into uh, different uh, elements mathematicians have primes every number can be broken down into its primes and no further so by understanding primes you understand all numbers so they have to be in the right order. I mean, if you're using it for cryptography, is there like a rule? No, 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 no. They say... Well, uh, you, you normally put them least to greatest, but no, it doesn't matter. It, it's unique up to reordering. Okay. What do you guys think they were trying to prove? Good question. Good that question. she proved. I wondered if it was. I wondered if it was the Riemann hypothesis. This, this if, is it. It was now the Riemann hypothesis says something about what happens to the the, the pattern of primes as you get higher and higher. And it's not been proved yet. It's one of the uh, great possibly. unanswered questions. Yeah. And what would it do? It would get you a million it? pounds like... if you could prove it. It really would. But why? Why? Why would it? Why would anyone care? Well, it again, comes back down, down <laughs> to um, proving things about primes. If we understand how they're distributed, we can find better ways of finding them. Um, all right. Here's my question: Am I a product of primes? I don't know. Were your parents primes? <laughs> No, but they were in their prime. Oh. But it's not real. This whole thing is a school play that went wrong and got off the It also, it won a Pulitzer Prize. And a Tony what? Award from theatre. It won a Tony Award. Oh, God, it's one of those worthy things. It's like, oh, we're doing a play about mental issues and mathematics. And it's like, yeah, just, you know, nailed on the Look, Tony straight away. La La Land. La La Land won all those prizes, and that film's trash. So yeah, rubbish. Absolutely. Did Harry Potter win an Oscar? I think not. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I bet. Did they not? Did they not win any I like visual? I'd say music I mean, and visual effects and makeup. They, they obviously it, did. It probably won a cruddy one that they don't even screen. You know. You know the award for the best tease on set or something. You know. <laughs> all, all, all those cruddy crap on the back. The slap on the back ones. Uh, what's the significance of seventeen? 129. Oh, uh, this. Okay, right. There is a story. There are two famous mathematicians, G.H. Hardy and Ra Ramanujan. Ramanujan came over from India and sadly died as he got uh, tuberculosis. Ramanujan was known as a savant, someone who could feel what numbers could do without ever needing to prove it. He would just know things. Mm -hmm. And... Um, who was in the hospital? He, uh, Ramanujan was in the hospital, if I remember rightly, uh, with, with tuberculosis. And G.H. Hardy went to... Godfrey. Godfrey Hardy went to see him. Uh, so he was a Cambridge professor. He was. Very stuffy, old school professor. Yeah. yeah. And he had this attitude of being insular and, uh, and uh, in introverted. And I just said he was a Cambridge <laughs> professor. <laughs> exactly. And so he's in the hospital room with R Ramanujan and he has nothing to say to him. And so the... The story goes that he was there rocking back and forth on his chair and goes, you know, I saw a taxi on the way here with the license plate 17, whatever number it was, 1729. What a boring number. And Robin Nugent, as quick as a flash, said, but it's not boring at all. It's the only number that can be 
written as two squares in different ways or something it's, like that. He said it's the lowest number that can be written there as you go. the sum of two separate cubes. There you go. Thank you, Ben. Which are 22 cubed plus one cubed or 10 cubed plus uh, nine cubed, apparently. So in other words, there's no significance whatsoever. No. <laughs> but there is, a, there, there is a proof that all numbers are interesting. Oh, yes. Go for it. Okay. So... Uh, let's. Uh, we're going to do this by proof by induction. Okay, so I'm going to start with a with a base condition. Okay, so one is an interesting number. Yes. Wait, why? Well, <laughs> You've got to. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be interesting. It, if Ben can't the, do that, it's the, it's the only number you multiply something by and it stays the same. Okay, so. But it's uh, surely that's the opposite of being interesting. Everything <laughs> just stays the Liz, same. Liz, 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 you don't know the punchline, but you are the perfect person to tell this to. You are breaking this joke in so It's wonderful. <laughs> what is... I thought it was an actual proof. So we, we, yeah, it is. We have a lower. We, you know, we have a. We have a. I mean, one we, is hold on, hold on. We, can, we, we don't need to start at one. Liz, would you say there is an interesting number? Oh. Let's say 69. I've always, <laughs> <laughs> I've always quite enjoyed sixty-four. Okay, so are you? Would you accept if I said and Ben said that sixty-four is an interesting number? <sighs> is it? I mean, do you? Do you does the punchline have to be interesting? Is it interesting to you? <laughs> because one is the loneliest number. <laughs> This is wonderful. All this was just one small joke, and Liz, uh, Liz has just <laughs> belted it out of the park. Wonderful. All right, let's let's move on then. So we've managed to prove that no numbers are interesting. Which, <laughs> but all numbers it? are lonely. All, all numbers, numbers are, are lonely. lonely numbers. Yes, except sixty-nine. Um, except sixty-nine. When I was when I was a kid and I did maths, I remembered things. Um, so first of all, all the numbers one to nine were either male or female. They all had colours in my head. Oh wow! And also, some of them were some of them were friends. That's one interesting. Of those that's that's really interesting because so, actually the Chinese have a similar idea of male and female numbers. Um, male numbers are the odd ones, and female numbers are the even ones. Ah, uh, so very broadly, that was true in my head. Although seven was also female. Really? Wow. Um, but also the way, and I remember this really distinctly. I remember being kind of about five, um, and just and just thinking about thinking about numbers as you do, and like seven and three were friends, and seven and two were friends because two is uh, seven is two away from five, and three away from ten, <laughs> and so six is six is friends with one and four. This is magnificent. Um, uh, eight is friends with two and three, um, and that that's how I, I sort of did maths. There's a very small child that they were they were all in gangs <laughs> <laughs> but anyway so right let, let's get back to the joke let's try and finish this joke so okay sorry, no no no, I'll, no, I'll no, no i want to know no you need to you need to be a part of this liz so liz <laughs> uh, what number what number would you say is interesting I don't know. Oh, let's assume one is interesting. <laughs> no, 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 you I can't. You say. can't assume this doesn't work. But okay, no, fundamentally, this joke will not work unless you can say there is an interesting number. Okay, pi is interesting. <laughs> You've broken it again. <laughs> does it have to be an integer? It kind of does no. need to be an integer. No. All right. <laughs> <laughs> We're never going to get to the punchline of that. We're gonna. That is going to be the joke that is forever not told. Every every, every episode, every episode, we might come back to it. We'll see if Liz has a, a, a new number that's interesting. But anyway, okay, we will find that interesting number. What do we think about this thing that you do your best work at twenty three? Ooh, I'm thirty one. <sighs> it's really hard to tell because one of the things about I mean, I often think I mean I'm not as we all know, a mathematician, but I wrote a lot and was very creative in my late teens. Um, and I've certainly never written anything, anything like as good as a couple of things I wrote when I was kind of 18, 20. But have you tried? Because you don't have time? Well, well, but this is the thing. So I, 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 I did a lot. I mean, what did I do when I was 19? I mean, I spent most of the day in bed with my friends. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> But didn't, didn't you just, you know, you'd go pop round to your friend's room and you'd be like, oh, I'm still in bed, get Guys in. Guys don't do that. 
Ben, 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 next time I'm coming round, I'm coming into your bed. <laughs> I, I do wonder whether it's partly because of because you just got time when you're younger. Because I haven't even tried a, to write anything in like 20 years. And I, this is the, I don't think you're, you, you have any less uh, inspiration. I think you've got more because you've got, you've got more experience. It's just that you haven't. I don't know. It's, I mean, it, there does seem to be some sort of evidence that your brain does slow down a bit. It's not oh, that really? you peak at 30 and then it's downhill. I mean, there, there obviously is a peak, but I think we've got a few years left on us. But I mean, my, my thinking behind this is that what do you do as an academic when you retire? Because you've spent your life thinking. How do you retire from thinking? Surely an academic just gets better and better because of their experience. Well, you just become emeritus and then you sort of fade away. <laughs> then you just fade away. I mean, you eventually stop going to conferences because you can't afford the cost of the amphetamines. <laughs> that's, yes, <laughs> that's what it is. So I was going to ask whether we could all do our favourite math joke. We tried. No, 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 no. We tried the favourite math joke and Liz, you killed it. You you murdered that joke. Can I, can I do my behind... favourite math joke? I made it up. Please with my do. Friend. Oh, go on. Um, okay, okay. Again, when I was, when I was 18. Um, okay, so we're on the train back from London. Uh, Theresa May... Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump sitting at a bar and a guy bursts in, he's red, he's sweating, he's been running for a while and he runs up to Vladimir Putin and he goes, 32! And he runs up to Donald Trump and goes, 32! And he runs up to Theresa May and he says, 32! And Theresa May manages to catch him and says, why on earth have you just come in here and told us three world leaders the number 32? And the guy says... Oh, I'm in a maths exam, and they told me to give the answer to three significant figures. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Thank you very much. Uh, that, that, oh, oh well, done. that was. I've uh, never. Not only have I never heard it, but that was actually really good. That was very. Thank good. you very much. Well, I mean, I've, I've got to give co co credits to my friend Daisy. Oh dear. Well wow! Thank wow! You. Wow! I, I don't think I can top that. Hey, hey, Tom! I, I I've been asked recently to uh, to go down to Brighton and to Blackpool and look at their seaside resorts by the uh, British Mathematical Society. Oh yes, you're going yes, to be doing a peer review. Peer review. Yes. <laughs> nice. Did you notice, by the way? Here's here's the, here's the good joke I was saving up. Um, there was a scene where Gwyneth Paltrow was uh, cooking some pasta, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. And she was talking to her father in the kitchen about. Something oh like. yes, spaghetti seed. Spaghetti seed. Yeah. So they drew their proof, mm. and I couldn't work out. I was looking at the cooking, and I couldn't see any flames, and uh, it looked like a sort of fairly normal hob, but I couldn't see sort of the electric glow. Yeah. Um, so there's no electric, no gas. So I wondered if they were talking about proof by induction. Oh. <laughs> Very good then. <laughs> Uh, this this is this is the cream we have even though this film was depressing it was it no humor whatsoever rapey jake gyllenhaal you two have managed to pull. you can't say you can't say rapey jake gyllenhaal <laughs> you, you have to call the character rapey oh the character the character is rapey you the character played by Jake Gyllenhaal was a little bit vaping. You two have managed to pull kicking and screaming humour out of it. So thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you very oh, much. Shall we go and talk about whether we liked it or not? Okay. Oh, yes. Okay. This week, I'm going to give it a score out of pi. Um, so I liked it I did oh no I'm sorry I did I I enjoyed Um. it I thought I enjoyed the I enjoyed the journey I and I thought everyone put in quite a good show um it it has some flaws but I I kind of liked the language I liked that they tried to to do a sympathetic portrayal of, of people with varieties of different mental health needs. Um, okay. And so I, out of pie then, out of pie, what would you say? 2.9. Oh, 2. Point, that is very high. And what, 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 what about the mathematics? What, what do you think of the um, mathematics? I mean, you guys have convinced me um, that it wasn't great. But 
But at least they didn't do crap mathematics. They just didn't really say much about it. So I'm going to say... They really didn't do anything. 1.6. Still, still over half. Okay, Ben, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to give marks out of I, obviously, (laughs) uh, positively around the Argon plane. Uh, (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can do that off the top of my head. Um, I'm going to give marks out of 72 this week. And uh, for artistic merit, I'm going to give 41. A fairly low score. Okay. Uh, It would have been higher, but the rape scene really pissed me off. (laughs) Uh, For mathematical content, there was almost none, and it portrayed mathematicians in a very unfavourable light. So out of 72, it would only get 28. Not my favourite. Never want to see it again. That's £2.73 on Amazon Prime. I will never get back. I've got to agree. I never want to see it again. But like I said last week, I think mathematicians are always going to be portrayed unfavourably. But anyway, so I'm going to rate it out of two. Because two is my favourite number. I love the number two. It's it's the most odd prime because it's even. But anyway, that's beside the point. Is it interesting? No, 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 no. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. No. Next week, next week. So out of two, I'm going to give it zero because uh, it every time Gwyneth Paltrow and and her sister got on screen, they were just screaming at, at each other. And I, I just did not like it. Um, and the mathematics, it oh, blink and you miss it, blink and you miss it. So on both zero and zero, not not a fan. Zero. Here, not a fan. Oh, is, is that a scale oh. from zero to two? You haven't got like a minus one to two. I, I, I do not specify. So, so actually your rating's totally meaningless. <laughs> so you've got the whole of minus infinity to go. So it's actually quite high if you count that. Okay, so let's have our weekly puzzle. Yay! Ooh, I love a puzzle. Is it a word puzzle? Unfortunately, this being a maths, oh. maths podcast, <laughs> I think it's going to be a maths puzzle. I'm less good at those. Okay, so last week I asked, uh, we said that Ben had just celebrated his birthday and his age was 50 years, 50 months, 50 weeks, 50 days and 50 hours old. How old will Ben be on his next birthday? Do you have any guesses? Wait, say it all again, slower. 50 50 years, 50 months, 50 weeks, 50 days and 50 hours. How old will Ben be on his next birthday? Uh, 56. Ooh, that per- sounds good to me. That's bang on. It was 50. Wow. Well done. Well, how, how, how did you get that? So 50 is, is approximately 48. 48, yeah. Which is four yep. years. And then I was like... Add no extra year. Plus a bit more. Fantastic. Well, yes, you're um, quite right. So 50 years, 50 months, 50 weeks, 50 days and 50 hours. Thank you very much. Is 55 win? point. Uh, she wins um, oh, you, you nothing, as I said. Co- Free copy of proof. (laughs) (laughs) We probably should give those away. No, um, you win nothing. As I mentioned, you you just win the honor and the glory. If you were one of the first people to get your answer in right to our email address, which is podcastmaths at gmail.com. Or you can tweet at us, which is podcasts, podcast maths at. Now, um, so I'm going to get a a guy in next week because I need some work doing on my house. We've just moved. Sexist. Yeah, I was going to say, or a woman. No, he's a guy. I know the guy. He's coming in next week. Are you sure? Okay. Have you checked? Uh, yes. Uh, he's he's given me a, a between nine in the morning till nine at night when he will arrive. Does he identify as a guy? Or did you just look at him and decide he was Oh, he a could guy? be Doctor Who. He could have regenerated in the meantime. I did assume his gender. And I don't know if he's a Time Lord or she's a Time Lord. I didn't count the hearts. Anyway, the or puzzle the, the puzzle is, will I ever get to the end of this question? <laughs> Do you think that time lords have two vaginas? I'm getting... Oh, well, do, they, do, do male time lords have two penises? I think they do. I think it's well documented. Uh, <laughs> that would make female time lords kangaroos, though. Is that the definition of a kangaroo? I think, that, I think that's a really sketchy proof. Kangaroos have two vaginas. I know, but that doesn't mean everything with two vaginas is a kangaroo. Well, how many things with two vaginas do you know that isn't a kangaroo? I know your mum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I don't. I don't think you deserve a question this week. That's what give she us, said. Give us the, which which vagina? Uh, the, uh, give us the question, Tom. I, I don't think I can. Right. Okay. I am getting a labourer in. I'm getting a unisex labourer in. And this labourer demands to be paid in gold chain links every day. They want to leave every day with the same number of links as the days they work. So if they work three days, they have to leave with three links. They can't be paid less because otherwise they won't come back. And I can't pay them more because, again, they won't come back because I've paid them too much. So every day I need to, they need to leave with the same number of links as the days they've worked. Now, I have a gold chain of seven links. Ooh. Okay, and now what I could do is cut the chain up into single links and just pay the unisex labourer one link every day. But every time I cut one of those links, I lose a little bit of gold and I don't want to do that. So what is the minimum number of cuts I have to make to this chain such that I can pay the labourer, the unisex labourer, to work for me for seven days? So do you all get that? I understand it. I don't know what the answer is. That's hard. Well, that is for next week. So this brings us to the end. Anything else left to say, you guys? Only that that was 90 minutes of my life I'll never get back. Was that the podcast or the film? Do you mean... Yeah, I was going to say we've been recording for 90 minutes. Three hours of my life I'll never (laughs) (laughs) What are we watching next week? Oh, good question. Good question, Ben. In two weeks' time... We will be watching, and I, I can't wait to see this, Donald Duck in Math Magic Lands. Uh, something a bit lighter. After all, this doom and gloom. Really? S- Donald Duck in Math Magic Land. Can you... Donald Duck in Math Magic Land. Yes. Can you not okay. wait for that? No. I, I can't wait. Excellent. It's going to be amazing. Okay. And with that, I have been Thomas Woolley. Goodbye. I've been Ben Parker. Goodbye. And I've been Liz. Goodbye. And with that, we are Maths at the Movies. We're winning at maths, losing at life. Goodbye. This podcast is a Random Walks production performed by Thomas Woolley, Ben Parker and the enigmatic Liz. Intro and outro music was Clonky Donkey by Nikolai Heidlas. And the incidental stings were Cartoon Bank Heist from YouTube Audio Library.